This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to episode number 11 of Double Tap for Wednesday, the 14th of September 2022. Today, we are joined by two members of a rival technology podcast. Expect fireworks. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your host, Stephen Scott. Hey guys, welcome to another Double Tap. I am Stephen Scott. I am on my own today. No Sean Priest. He is taking a break today, not what you might consider to be a well-earned break, because, you know, yeah. So anyway, uh, with me today, we do have a couple of special guests with us. I'm really pleased to say uh, that I'm joined by uh, not one, but two members of That Real Blind Tech Show. Now, just to be clear, we are talking about another technology show for blind people. They do exist, believe it or not. Uh, Brian Fischler and Ed Plumacher join me uh, right here on Double Tap. Hey, guys, welcome along. Thank you, Steve. It's good to be here. here. Well, listen, yeah, it's, listen, it's great to have you here. And uh, I know that Alison on your team is due to join as well, but she had a, a prior engagement. I think she got a better offer. I think, is that fair to say, Brian? Honestly, I guess we should admit it here. Ed, uh, Allison is a character that Ed and I play on our show. She's not a real person. So, Ed, do you want to do the Allison voice today? It's kind of like uh, Andy Kaufman, you know, and and that, that alter ego that he had, that... Allison Malloy here, you know. That's, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that works. Not as good as your New York accent, but hey. <laughs> hey, I'm walking here. You know, the people who are critical of that accent, it, it stuns me. It really stuns me that, that I was making a reference to the fact that, you know, I've been watching a lot of Sopranos recently. Uh, season four, by the way, I'm up to. Brilliant Great series. Show. Oh, such a good show. And... um do you ever find, do you ever do this, guys? Do you ever find that when you're watching a TV show, you start to mimic some of the characters? Sometimes unknowingly, you start to say things. I mean, with The Sopranos, obviously, I have to be careful. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that I'm either taking drugs or, you know, murdering people left, right, and center, or, you know, running a waste disposal business. Um, not, I've never pretended to do any of that or done it. I should just be clear on that. Um, but, you know, the talking, the accent, the, the style of talk, the way that they talk, you start to kind of pick up a little bit of it and you start to do it. And I, and I start to say things like, I'd like a coffee, uh, because that's what they say. We don't need to mimic because you've got Ray Romano on with you today. Right, Ray? <laughs> yeah, we, I, get, I get more of that than anything. It's unbelievable. Do you but... sound like Ray Romano? Yes. Uh, Why did that, I, I think I it was funny, though. That before? Yeah, when you were doing your uh, your New York accent, Sean had no clue what you were doing. No. He really <laughs> he was, does. He really does. He was totally does. lost, and, and it, it took it took it took a few minutes for him to figure out. Oh, okay, Sopranos. <laughs> I'm loving the Sopranos. Uh, so uh, I, I thought he was going to say Sex in the City, but you know, another <laughs> New York show. Maybe that's what he watches, and you never know with with Sean, right? I mean, he's a metrosexual guy, so you have absolutely no idea. Uh, but you guys, you run the uh, That Real Blind Tech Show uh, now, Brian. For those who don't know about your podcast, tell us all about it, how it came to be. Yeah, so you know, Ed and I were podcasting. Gosh, about three, four years ago, doing iAccess VO was what we started with, and you know, times just changed. I mean, we just specifically really spoke about Mac and voiceover, and uh, let's just say Apple's gone downhill, so we've evolved, mm-hmm. and we just thought that the show should have a different kind of name and broader appeal and we wanted to be real and honest and brutally honest and say whatever the heck we want which we're careful on this show (laughs) we don't too far we have a lot of adult conversations on our show so that real blind tech show was born kind of an homage to that 70s show we threw the real in there because outside of the fictional allison the rest of us are ed's a real boy right ed yeah, I'm a real boy. <laughs> You're not Pinocchio then? No, no. No, no, that's good. And Ed, how did you become a part of this this gang of uh, threatening blind people talking yeah, technology? Well, well, 
Yeah, well, it started with, um, you know, Brian and I were working together at, at, at an agency in New York doing vocational rehab and technology training. And um, we actually decided to start the podcast together while we were there. And I hate to tell you, Brian, but it's it's, it's like seven years ago <laughs> that wow. we started that. And uh, yeah, it was good. So really? We, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 2015, October 2015, we started IXS VO. So and uh, we launched that and it was going really, really well. And then I, I ended up switching uh, careers and moving over to the Lighthouse Guild in New York City. And it just became too much for me, commuting two hours each way, each day, working working a full full week, Monday to Friday, and then trying to try. At that time, I was doing all the editing and producing the show. So, you know, we, we had to take a hiatus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I had to learn how to edit and produce. And it took me like four years to do that. Now, there were... Between IXS VO and us being that real blank tech show, those were the dark years. Uh, I was involved with some <laughs> other podcasts, unnamed stuff that uh, ended up ending in a messy divorce and everything, to put it politically correct, politely. There will be people listening to this who will know exactly what you're talking about. I don't think I'm oh, one yeah. of them. So I, I can sit here as a, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but I'm in the middle of this and, and I'm not, or not in the middle of it actually is the case maybe, um, which Let's is kind of nice. Let's just say with the divorce, I got the Twitter and the Facebook and he got the lips in. Right, are. okay. That was the deal. Okay. Well, that's not a bad divorce. Okay. Um, so uh, do you do this for fun? Do you do this for love? Do you make money out of it? Do you get sponsored? How does it work? Uh, mostly for fun. We've had, uh, let me try that in English. We've had a couple of sponsorship opportunities that we've passed on. Right now, we kind of like the fact that we could say whatever we want about whoever. You know, all of us have other jobs that pay us uh, income and allow us to uh, kind of waste our time doing this and everything. Eventually, we might take on some sponsors, that sort of thing. But right now, we're just doing it. For me, it's honestly my weekly psychology uh, session where I lay on the couch and I get to complain uh, during what's pissing off Brian to Ed and Allison and everything. <laughs> but that's, that is kind of, and Ed, I guess you are the same here, but I, I certainly felt this when I started doing this kind of show, um, you know, back at RNIB in the old days and, you know, starting to do the show, which at the time was very much like a news show, right? It was a weekly roundup of the tech news. And then... I kind of came to this realization that I had things I wanted to say. And I mean, people knew I had things I wanted to say, but I wanted to say them on the show and no one was keen to let me do it. And then I kind of did it and it worked and people responded. And then it just made me feel better because then I was able to then start bringing myself into it. And I guess that's perhaps the difference between broadcast and podcast to some degree, right? Because in broadcast, you have to be the host and you have to be the guy who kind of brings it together and hear all the different sides. Whereas a podcast, you can kind of you have your own views, you have your own personalities, and you can allow yourselves to express them. Right, and if we don't express them correctly, we can always edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> or yes. on our show, just keep firing our interns because they're the ones that always get the factual information wrong and everything. Well, we we so, have a rule uh, here on Double Tap: we don't allow facts to get in the way of anything. So, um, you know, I'm with you on this. I get it. Hey, Brian, subscribe to that too. <laughs> So, you know, it's facts, geography, math. I mean, I'm, I'm really intrigued in your point there, Brian. You, you made a comment earlier about Apple and, and how it's kind of gone downhill. And um, I, I'm really intrigued to explore that. So what's your take on Apple accessibility overall that's, that's made you feel that? Let me put it this way. Voiceover accessibility on the Mac has gone downhill faster than a fat male in a wheelbarrow. I okay. mean, it is just absolutely unbelievable uh, how voiceover and the issues they're having on the Mac and everything. And what we've had Sarah Herlinger on our show, and they really controlled the narrative in the interview, which was a little disappointing. I was not allowed to, this was several years ago, I wasn't able to ask any questions about voiceover on the Mac, and they told us what we were allowed to talk about. It's the only interview we've ever done that way, and we've decided that we'd never have anybody from Apple back on our show again. There's no... You get to a point where you're just sick and tired of getting those emails from Apple that say, we're aware of the issue, but we can't comment on when or if there will be a fix. And we're really seeing, at least on the Mac side, very few, if any, improvements between operating system 
upgrades, which is telling me they're doing little to nothing as far as quality control with voiceover, which is very disappointing. And I'm a total Apple fanboy. So if I'm feeling that way, Ed, Ed and I, Ed has brought me over to his side. I don't know when I'm going to be updating to iOS 16 because of the notification focus issues and some other issues that we've all been hearing about that mm. are now out and everything. Yeah, I've been telling you that for years. That, you know, I always wait at least almost until no, our, our Thanksgiving, which is which is in you know late November, before I would upgrade. You're in my Thanksgiving or this country's? Yeah, which one? In, in the United States. No, yeah. Canada's is I think oh, okay. in October. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, ours is late November. And in the UK, we don't even gotcha. have it. We don't even know where that is. So it's you know whatever, right? Uh, but it's interesting because. I tend to agree with you on this. I, you know, I'm a fanboy as well, and people know this. I'm a, a huge Apple fan. And, you know, it's interesting because when you do a show like this, you, are, you have to make a decision. And it's interesting you, you, to get your take on this from the podcast point of view as well. When you're doing a show like this, on, we're doing this on AMI, and, you know, I had to make a decision. Am I the guy who is going to be the Apple guy, or should I try and be more general about this and and you know try and you know let's let's okay let's let's let the android people in let's see what they've got to say um and i do that i let other people come on and uh, you know people who use this stuff every day they talk about it and certainly i bring in that perspective but i am an apple guy and i i think i'm always going to be an apple guy apple plus windows that's me because you know i love the apple stuff but you know i sometimes go to windows to get stuff done um and i'm well, guessing you're probably getting a little bit there as well brian I'm a huge Apple boy, and I did pick up an Android phone within the last six months. I used it for about three weeks. has not been turned on in probably five months. I expect more out of Apple, though. They're, they talk openly about their commitment to accessibility, yet they really seem to be spiraling downhill. And now this is not just Apple. We had this conversation on our show recently. We're seeing several, several mainstream companies that have been very committed to accessibility over the last few years, their accessibility spiral downhill. Amazon, all of Amazon's apps have gone downhill with issues. I'm just reading recently about Audible, which I don't personally use. Their accessibility is even spiraled downhill. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a lack of quality control, if things are moving too fast and accessibility is just getting broken. But it really seems a lot of these mainstream companies that were, you know, going to the CSUNs here in this country until the pandemic hit have really, I can't trust them anymore. I cannot, I'm not updating apps anymore. I mean, until they tell me that an app has to be updated for me to use it, I'm done up updating apps. I mean, They've lost my trust. You got the old, uh, if, if it ain't broke, don't update it, right? Yeah, Very which, true. which is why Very a lot of true. blind people still use Windows XP. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't update Get at that. all. I'm on DOS over here. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, this is an interesting time, isn't it? Because we are seeing so many changes. We get a new operating system from Apple and other companies every year. And as a result of that, we're getting constant change. So is that the problem? Is it just that it's, it, there's just so much change going on that, you know, the accessibility teams, which will be much smaller in all of these companies, even on, even in mm -hmm. Apple, they'll be much smaller than the teams who are developing for AI or the machine learning teams. There are going to be much bigger teams than the accessibility people who are trying to keep up with this endless sea of change. Yeah, I think the, I, I think, think the issue is too is that they don't have enough of the accessibility people in the early design stage. It's it's mm. almost like it's 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 an afterthought. It's brought on after the design is made and after the coding's begun, and it's too hard to get things right when you do it that way. Agreed. I mean, the worst thing on the Mac side of things is when they decided to start moving. You know, having the iPad and the Mac, the Catalyst designed apps. That's when I noticed the major downhill on the Mac with voiceover. I mean, the messages app, when they instituted, I mean, who at Apple, did they talk to any voiceover users when you used to just be able to, you know, VO and interact with notifications? Let's now throw in VO command spacebar. And the way they changed things was so moronic in adding that gesture. And I've noticed, uh, for example, in the music app, you can no longer just type when you're in song view or list view. 
a, a name of a track and it would you know quickly jump down to that artist and everything and i i find it just to be the catalyst designed apps have really taken everything downhill but look at me i just bought the new m2 mac air in july so it's not like i'm going anywhere <laughs> so why why do that though brian that's the thing i'm brian. stupid <laughs> okay right well that's fair enough uh, but that's a serious question, right? Why would you continue to invest your time in it when he's invested a lot of money in therapy trying to figure out why he does this <laughs> test? Even <laughs> well, some would say I could do some of that therapy as well. You're not alone, um, because I'm the same. I, I've stuck with it, but I'm intrigued to know why we stick with it, right? Because I've done the same. Although, look, I'm in a position where I can get Windows and I can get the Mac, and I'm I'm happy with that, right? I've got the M1 Mac at the moment, and I'm happy with it. Um, you know, to like you're extent. running parallels with that, right? And Windows also, from what I, yes, I listen to. Yes, that's yeah. right. Well, well, yeah. And until until recently, I started using the, the Surface Pro Eight that Microsoft very kindly sent me one over to play with, and I thought, okay, let's give this a try. And I must admit, having a separate device for Windows is better. Just mm, yes, from, from that whole, you know, I, I, I know it sounds maybe mad to some, but to me. I just like having the, the separate keyboard, the separate setup, because that's the muscle memory kicks in then, and it sticks better. Trying to use the same keyboard for, the, for two different operating systems and all the commands that go with it, uh, especially if you have to change, say, for example, the insert key, you can't have one of those on you know, the Logitech I've got, so you have to switch it to maybe the Grove key or you know, use caps lock. You, know, you have to remember all this stuff, and trying to remember all that and not mix it up with the, the other operating system on the Mac in this case. It can be quite a bit to keep in. So I I don't know. I just find having a separate keyboard, a separate Windows keyboard, a separate Apple keyboard, a lot easier. And for someone like me who likes to buy keyboards every five minutes, that kind of works out pretty well. You are the one person on the planet that has a bigger keyboard fetish than I do, which is hard to do. I love keyboards. Ed knows I, I agree. I love me a yeah. I've got the 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 what's it the um. The one designed for Apple. Why am I blanking, blanking on the name? Uh, the M1. Uh, I know you have this keyboard too. Oh, the the one that the Magic keyboard, the the one that comes with it. No, not the Magic. I can't stand Apple keyboards. This is the oh, right. uh, Logitech, the M1 for Mac. Uh, oh, the, the, the MX M keys. MX keys for Mac. I yeah. love that. I've got I've got the Logitech K4. For example, I had to go in to meet with my writing partner the other day. And I went into the city and I had my this, now when technology works, this is why it, when it's fantastic. So I have my new M2 Mac Air. I have my K, even though that's a great keyboard, I still prefer the K480. I've got that. We're sitting at a table. I've got the computer sitting on the chair that's open next to me. I throw on the Bose frames and turn that on, turn Bluetooth off on my iPhone. I'm paired to my computer. I'm going back and forth. We're working on material for this upcoming benefit that we've got going on here in New York. And I'm just typing away and nobody else can hear me and everything is my dog just knocked over everything underneath my desk. But he does that at least once a show. Hey, Ed made a joke on the last show that was so bad. He got up and left the room. So, he's a big critic. He's a big critic. That's a, a hard crowd. That's when technology, that was a great day technology, you know, just sitting out there and when everything connects and works properly, it's like, wow, it's just so awesome. And that feeling is so great. And then as we had some fun starting this thing here, when it doesn't work, the frustration because we're dealing with assistive technology and you never know what's not working. Mm. It could be a setting. It could be, you know, any of a million things. The frustration is unbelievable that sets in and everything and the F-bombs and all that fun stuff. But it is interesting, isn't it, that we keep going back to the, I mean, in our case, we go back to the Mac and we continue to do that. Now, Ed, you are joining us here on Zoom today and you are using a PC. So you're you're not on the Mac side, right? I'm, I'm actually on my uh, MacBook Pro and I'm running boot camp and I'm on the Windows side. So because right. like, I have to go back and forth between Mac and, uh, and, and uh, PC for work as well. So but um, but I, I probably spend 80 to 85 percent of my time in the uh, the Windows universe. I understand that. I, what I are your thoughts at a voiceover nowadays, though? I mean, yeah, I, 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 I find it frustrating with a lot of you know the changes and everything because unlike you, where you, 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 the two of you use Mac majority of the time, I, you know, I, I may not have somebody that I'm working with for Mac for for a couple of months, and then the next thing I know, I'm jumping back in again. I'm like, ah, oh, what happened here? <laughs> 
So it's very frustrating. But I will, I'll give you a scenario though, Stephen. So, you know, I work at the Lighthouse Guild in New York. So I work with a lot of the uh, students from high school going to college and then college students transitioning to either work or to graduate school. And in New York State, we're lucky in that, you know, we have a very good state government uh, that that will sponsor our students that are going to college. They will pay for the equipment and the software and computers for people to make sure they have the proper tools. And there was a move about about a year and a half ago where they it's really, really hard to get somebody a Mac now. And that's based on the fact that a lot of the a lot of the high school kids were, would be using iPhones and iPads and, you know, they love the products and they'd say, like, oh, I want to get a Mac when I go to college. And, you know, we'd get them the Mac, we'd train them on it, we'd send them off to college and then they'd graduate and they'd get a job and they'd step into their office and say, well, we, we can't use Macs here. We only, you know, we only mm. use you know, Windows. Yeah. And then the state found themselves, you know, we have to rush, give them a job safe classification, train them, resupply them and everything. And it became very expensive. So now there's only certain situations where they will approve Mac computers for students now. <laughs> And that's based on. I can you know, understand that though. What are you studying? Yeah, yeah that, that makes a lot of sense because look, we've we've said it on the show. I've said it often enough. Um, I mean, I'll be intrigued to hear your thoughts later on Braille because there's a obviously a whole world of conversation around that and how useful that is. But we all With a know capital B or a lower B. <laughs> that, that is your choice. I, I know it's open to debate. Um, oh, I, 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 I couldn't I care less, to be honest. I spent an hour and a half on the phone with Hims today trying trying to connect a a, a Braille Sense six to a to a to a laptop, and uh, it was yeah. There's a. <laughs> We'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and it doesn't matter whether it's capitalized or not. If it ain't working, right? Yeah, right. But I mean, but the, the, the reason I bring it up is because you know, like the whole Windows and Mac argument, uh, which is best to learn. It's the same kind of argument that we tend to have around Braille, isn't it? Which is you know that as a kid, if you're young and you're growing up, knowing Braille means that you're going to have a, a better chance uh, with your education. Not saying that you will be better or you'll get on better, or you'll get a better job, but it will give you more opportunities potentially. Um, and I think the same would be the case for the argument of whether or not to learn, uh, learn Windows or Mac. Mm. Learning Windows puts you in a better position because you then know the environment. I mean, it's funny because I, at my school, when I was growing up, we're talking 90s, you know, it was Macs. And I was quite surprised at that, actually, even at that time, that it was all Mac because they were really expensive machines and not many people were using them. And everyone was talking about, well, you really need to know PC. Um, and thankfully, I was the kind of person who managed to figure it out. But I know a lot of people who now, who, from school, who now are all on PC. That's all they use all day, all night, because that's what they do. That's what they work with. Um, and the only people I know who are kind of moved over and stuck on the, the Mac side are people in the creative industries, which is really where <laughs> Apple is. Right, and, and that's and that's that's where it gets approved. If somebody's going into audio or video editing, yeah. uh, or, or or if they're working in the advertising industry and media, uh, yes, they'll approve Max for that. But not not for uh, not for people who are going to get psychology or sociology degrees and things. No, so you're never going to uh, use it. No. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I'll take a step back there when you're talking about Braille though. So you know, I do work with. Uh, the eight to 13 year olds on Saturdays here at, at the lighthouse. And I, I can tell you, and then I also work with the, the, the kids who were seniors in high school transitioning to college. And I can, I can tell you that from, you know, six years I've been here and all the testing we do with everybody that those that read Braille score higher on the, on the tests. I see that I, I see a lot of times the SAT scores are higher and the reading comprehension scores are better than those that don't read Braille. And, um, mm -hmm. and especially with the spelling exams that we, that we give them as they're transitioning and the, and all the reading uh, labs that we work, work with them on and stuff. Uh, the Braille does make hey, a difference. And nobody under 25 can spell these days. I mean, look at the way they spell apps. I mean, so. <laughs> but Line, is that with a Q at the beginning? Yes. Yes. There's a silent Q at the beginning. But, but here's it the looks cool. <laughs> but here's the thing. Is it, is it the case that in, in where you work, um, Ed, where you're working with these kids, are they learning Braille as blind kids? Or is, it, is, is that encouraged that low vision kids as well learn Braille? 
So some of the low vision kids uh, do learn it, but it's mostly the ones who are blind. Mm -hmm. But um, the the low vision kids that do take that leap, if they're working with a proper TVI, or they're going to one of the schools here that specialize in educating those that are blind, visually impaired, where they're not um, mainstream, they're going to a a school specific for that. Yes, they do perform better. See, my take on it's this weird. whole thing, and, and Brian, I'll, I'll, I want to hear yours on this, but I, I, my take on sure. this thing is that the education and cost of access to the equipment for Braille is, are the two things that will save Braille. If you can lower that cost and you can get more kids learning Braille as, as you know, young, then you'll save Braille. Otherwise, it's dead. And, you oh, know, I agree. And, and especially yeah. for low vision kids. I think, you know, I, I, I was a low vision kid. And I was told, you don't need it. You, you'll be fine. You can use large print or you can use audio. So you don't need Braille. And I really, years later, it's taken a long time, but I've now realized I really wish I was able to have pushed back against that and said, no, I need to learn this or I need to have the option at least. And I hear now different things from different parts of the world. Some places it's, well, we, we encourage all children to learn it who are visually impaired irrespective of what their vision level is. But we do it alongside audio or large print. We we don't make it a one or the other. It's it's everything, and I think that's really important. Um, where do you stand in the whole thing, Brian? Where do you stand in this whole Braille conversation and, and whether where it's well, is today? Strange, because you know I'm a blind person, totally blind person, yet I identify as a deaf person. So that kind of overcomplicates things. Okay. And everything. <laughs> but let me put it this way: to be serious for a moment. For blind children, I think it is unbelievably important to learn Braille. I, I, you're, you've got to get it to learn to read and write, to be successful in life. Ed and I both went blind later in life. We're, you know, our peers and we went, lost our vision later in life. For people like us, while it would have probably helped me a lot, I did learn the alphabet in Braille and I still get freaking lost in elevators, which, you know, in New York <laughs> City, we've got a few elevators here. Yes. And... I'm my, my weakest two skills are elevators and cooking. And um, to me, it's just not important. It's going to it would take me so long to learn Braille. I probably have ADD. I voice. I it gets me by. It gets me through everything. And one thing that does bother me is they had that debate on Twitter lately. Some idiot put out like, well, if you don't read Braille, then you're illiterate. And mm. I'm like, I can't get on board with that argument. And, yeah. and that that that. You know, and I just, well, I don't read in general just because I don't have the time. You know, I'm too busy with podcasting and listening to podcasts and every other little thing that I do. And, but I just don't find it. I have yet to find a, I've really yet to find a case where I'm like, you know what? It'd be, it would really be beneficial for me to take the time to learn Braille because it would help me here where, I've just got a million different things going on. And I, I think, Ed, I know you've learned the alphabet as well, but for the amount of time that it would take you to get proficient at reading Braille, where's the time? Well, that's it. You know, especially, you know, doing what we do, Brian. I mean, I, I have to stay up on all the, all the adaptive technology and that, that that's a full-time job in itself. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's it's kind of ironic in a way, isn't it, that in our community, there are a lot of people who speak about this issue in a very binary way. Um, despite the fact that we, you know, if we were, we wouldn't talk about sight loss in that way, right? Because it's a different thing. You know, some people don't like calling it sight loss because they've never had sight to lose. Some people only know it as sight loss because they did lose sight later in life. Um, And, you know, it's the same with this, right? I mean, you can be literate and not read Braille. I mean, I still consider myself to be fairly literate. What I would say is the only thing I've noticed over the years is my spelling has gotten worse because... I don't have the visual memories. They're, they're fading. It's like the, I always say it's like the, the, the faces of the, the people in the Back to the Future movies that start disappearing from the, the pictures <laughs> at different points. Now, I've, I, okay, I run a business, Laugh for Sight, which we're having our upcoming 15th year, October 24th at New York City Gotham Comedy Club. Plug. That's a shameless plug, Stephen. Quite right. Shameless, shameless plug. Quite right. Anyhow, tickets on sale very soon. I am dealing with a lot of people in the entertainment industry. And if I do not write every email 
with perfect spelling and perfect grammar, the email is going to get tossed aside because they're not going to take me seriously. Mm. So my attention to detail and spelling, I think I'm still an excellent speller. Cat, D-O-G. You see, there's nothing well I done. can get well wrong. Well done. But, thank you. <laughs> but uh, You're an inspiration. I just know I'm an inspiration to blind idiots. <laughs> but... <laughs> See, this is the stuff we do on our show. So hopefully we're not getting you canceled here and everything. They tell me on my show, if I haven't been canceled yet, I'm okay. Listen, I'm, I'm in Scotland. You're in America. The show goes out in Canada. I could have been canceled already, and they maybe haven't told me yet. I don't know. Well, yeah. well we, we don't want to make Mr. F mad. Don't be Mr. F mad. No. Listen, let's not make him mad either because we've got to take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk more. We're talking with Ed and Brian from That Real Blind Tech Show. This is Double Tap. Send us your feedback to feedback at ami.ca. Leave us a voicemail at one 803 4567 You're listening to Double Tap. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. This is Double Tap on AMI-audio and on podcast. I'm with Brian Fischler and I've got Ed Plumacher as well joining me from That Real Blind Tech Show today. We're having a nice little chat here, guys, about the, the show you do uh, as a podcast and we'll tell people where they can get it. I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark and say it's anywhere you get podcasts. How odd. You nailed it, man. Right on, bro. There you go. Isn't that, it's, it's, it's so much easier. I remember the days working in radio where you had to constantly give out frequencies. You'd be like, I'm on 101.1. And you know, nowadays it's just anywhere. <laughs> well, exactly, right? And, you know, it's like you're on this thing and you're, you've got to say the frequency every five minutes. Nowadays you just say, hey, look, if you get a podcast and you've got this thing called a podcast player, you'll find us. That's when Brian tries Brian tries to give the phone number out all the time. He says, he goes, uh, uh, it's in the show notes. <laughs> oh, I know that feeling. <laughs> I, I actually have it down right now, but I'm not going to plug our phone number on another show. So, I got asked to do another podcast. They, they reached out by email and I had never heard of it. A blind tech podcast I had never heard of. So, I'm Googling it and I can't find it. I'm asking the A lady to play it. It can't play it. Oh, dear. I eventually was going to say no um, because I just couldn't find the freaking podcast and everything. I mean, how it ends up it was produced on Anchor and everything. And mm. I guess Anchor doesn't necessarily make its way everywhere. So you can produce a podcast in this day and age and have it impossible to find. I, I know somebody that did that in the blind tech world. Wow. Um, but we're talking about Braille just before the break, and uh, we're kind of getting into the the whole, you know, the benefit of it. And I think I, I I think just to maybe seal that up a little bit, I think for for me, what I would say is that the conversation has to evolve beyond its Braille or nothing. Um, I think that we need to have as blind people skills in every way, don't you think? I mean, we need to be able to um, be able to use a screen reader effectively I, I i've often thought and I, I think this is more a thing in the states you tell me but i think there's more of this in the states than there is in other parts of the world in canada and the uk in particular i don't know of this being a thing where you get some kind of certification almost like a almost like a foundation level knowledge of accessible tech be it a screen reader like jaws or something else you know and i feel there maybe needs to be something like that is, is there something like that ed it exists yeah, in the States? They, they, well, they came out with um, CADIS, uh, Certified Adaptive Technology Information Services. So that's a certification for adaptive tech trainers. But you can also get get your get a JAWS certification if you're if you're an uh, avid JAWS user. I mean, you, you basically can go right to Freedom Scientific website and mm. and uh, and t and you can take the test, and you don't have to pay for the certification unless you pass the test. And you can take it as many times as you want. I mean, I, I encourage my students to do that because it really challenges them. Um, and then uh, NVDA, I think, also has a certification. I believe VoiceOver has a certification now as well. Now wow. Apple got rid of their certification. Oh, they did? Apple. Oh, did they? Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that says they're Apple certified in this country now. You know, yeah, I think there's a I think there's a third party company company who's certifying VoiceOver trainers or something like that. Because I kind of think there has to be. Yeah, I, you see, the thing is that these days we hear a lot of people online, and I get really irked about this. Uh, I, I hear people talk so much about 
you know, it's it's society's problem that you know disability is is a reality. We you know we're disabled people, yes, and you know it's not we're not disabled per se. It's society is disabling us, and I just I don't know where I sit on that because it tends to put the blame on everybody else, and it doesn't put the blame on or not the blame, but it doesn't put any responsibility on us as blind people. Now I'm talking about blind people here, right? Different disabilities. I think it's a different conversation, but when it comes to me as a blind person, I'm thinking to myself. It's on me to be able to use the tech. I know when I when my vision got worse in 2017, if I didn't spend the time and effort learning how to use the screen reader, I wouldn't have had a job. I wouldn't have been able to continue in employment. That was on me. Yes, you know, society is disabling to some degree. That can be true. But also what can be true is that it's on us to do our part and try and, and you know, fight back a little bit and say, right, I want to take some control over this. And that's what I did. Where do you guys stand on that? Yeah, you know, it's like even when I came to work here at the Lighthouse, I mean, I did not know a lot of the adaptive technology that I teach here. So when they hired me, basically for four months, that's all I did. I, I, I spent four months in the lab and I, I basically taught, a lot of it I taught myself and then going to the tutorials and going on to YouTube and reading manuals and things like that. But uh, at that time, there was no, I don't believe the CADIS certification existed. So, it, and then then we had to be tested. It was, they hired me along with someone else and um, we were tested as we were going along. And if you didn't, if you didn't pass it, you, you know, you, you basically were cut and laid off. So it's, uh, because you have to you have to maintain some degree of quality control, and especially if you're working for an agency that's that we're getting all of our our authorizations to work with people from New York State, and and they have their own you know quality assurance as well, and and they they do interview people after we're done working with them and training them as well. So you know, they try to weed out those that are not good, and uh, you have to do that. And amazingly, you're still there. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's such a joy to work with, isn't he? Uh, Ed, he sounds like such a, a nice I, I, guy. I point out the obvious. Yeah, yeah. you know, you know, it's funny. Steve, he's working on um, on a highlight show, clip show, because we're coming up to our hundredth episode or whatever. And he's talking to me, and he goes, "You know what? Because we're pretty mean to each other." <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of similarities between me and Sean Priest. I'm seeing a lot of similarities here. Yeah, I, I hear that when I listen to your guys' show too. I I, I see that as well. One yeah. of these days, I'd love to. Get a, get a conversation going with Sean. And uh, and I really want to know if this shed thing really exists. <laughs> Do you know, so it fascinates me that people email in thinking this shed is a joke. It's, it is like, they, they, they think that it's some kind of made up thing. Yeah, yeah I heard you say that. Imagination. Somebody said the email thing is made yeah. up. Yeah. yeah the, yeah, the, the <laughs> was it Sean Helps Educate Dummies? I think that was the, the acronym that was used, um, which well, is absolutely brilliant. We learned by on the way. our latest show that Sean, well, Ed told me that because I must have missed it, that Sean actually got lost in the park and we were talking about the new watch and GPS and mm. how, you know, the Ultra Watch, which I ordered like a dummy because I'm an Apple fanboy and I'm Quite hoping. Right. Me too. The GPS currently in New York City puts me on the wrong side of the street all the time, and I'm yeah. just, I just wanted to get me on the right side of the street and everything. And yeah. uh, it, that'd be something that'd be nice. Otherwise, I'll <laughs> Allison, as you know, on our show, she does really exist. She's not a figment of our imagination. She's been known to lack a little bit of impulse control, and on episode, tell us she has no interest in buying the new MacBook, and then she's. That, sure enough, next show, she already has it and everything. So we have a lot of fun. We enjoy each other. That's the thing. If you enjoy the people you're working with, there's no egos on the show. Nobody gets offended. Everybody, we bust each other's chops, which we all enjoy. We're there to laugh. Blindness, a lot of weird stuff happens when you're blind, you know? And if you can't laugh at it, you're going to go absolutely nuts and... What people like about our show is we don't take things so seriously. Yes, we do talk about serious topics, but then we also laugh an awful lot of the time. And it's not like we put that in the outline. You know, we have an outline of topics we're going to talk about and the absurdity that comes out of some of our mouths sometimes or the mistakes we make leads to some of the insanity on the show. And Brian, it does help that your mother does send the rest of us monthly checks. Excellent. But that's, yeah, that's, 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 I told you not to bring that up on a national <laughs> show airing in Canada and England and 
You always got to embarrass me. You always got to take it too far, Ed. <laughs> this you know, friendship it, is over. This is what again, I love. Again? This is what I love. Because this you week. two clearly got on really well. And that is what makes a show. I mean, you know, Sean and I, we feel the same way, right? I mean, so much so he's, he obviously loves being here so much he didn't turn up today. But we'll skip that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the fact is... Does that he, he really <laughs> exist? <laughs> he really exists. And can I just say, the shed really exists. I've been in it. It really exists. It is as grim as you I've, think it is. I've heard that the shed is actually like the island on Lost. Let's just hope <laughs> it doesn't end like how Lost ended, because that was just terrible that last season. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I have to say, the thing that put me off the show Lost was the fact that I learned, I think in season three or something, that they were writing it every week. <laughs> I just thought, what, there's no plan here? There's no point to this. They're just literally making it up as the. My friend and I had 36 better endings than they actually had. <laughs> now, that brings us to an interesting topic, and that is television, movies, and all the rest of it. And actually, Brian, you are, um, and people might be sitting thinking, I know that voice. I've heard this voice. Um, maybe not on that real blind text show. Where have I heard that voice? Uh, and that, you know. It, is possibly that you've been heard on Netflix because you've been doing some AD work with them. I have. Um, they're supposed to be getting me back in the studio to do more. Uh, to date, I believe I uh, have the claim to fame of having done the audio description for the most disturbing documentary in the history of Netflix, where uh, our father, I uh, did the audio mm. description for. And some people think I sound like uh, Jimmy uh, Kimmel. And that's kind of how the whole thing came about. <laughs> I don't hear it. I don't hear that. Ed doesn't no. hear it. Allison says every few words. Now, nah. now. Nah. So, but, you know, whatever. And I am a huge fan of audio description. I subscribe to way too many services. You know, Netflix, HBO Max, mm -hmm. Amazon Prime, Paramount Plus. And, and you know, again, it comes down to the accessibility. And when companies are doing it great, it works great. I can't tell you, though, how many... I was just watching Paramount Plus, um, was it uh, the FBI uh, International, which I, I was enjoying. And I get to the final episode of the season, and I'm like two minutes in, and I'm like, wait a minute, where the heck's the audio description? Oh, no. How do you leave it out? But And then a friend of mine, she was thinking outside the box, says, well, what if you play, because it was also, you could play it on Amazon Prime through the CBS Paramount. And I did that, and sure enough, the audio described track was there. But I wouldn't have been able to enjoy the episode because nowadays on TV, you have so many things going on, like text messages, which the audio description obviously reads those messages out when the character looks at them mm -hmm. and everything. We're in the golden age of audio description and everything. And there's no excuse for episodes missing it. It's such a small part of the budget that it's really inexcusable. And it comes down to just employee laziness when that does happen and everything and uh yeah but big big fan of audio description yeah I, i'm doing it and hearing it yeah well absolutely and hey if you, if you can make some money out of it and and you, you're part of it as well and even better right but i just think it's it's interesting you know you see we're in a golden age i'm not sure if i would agree with that because i i think you're right in the sense that we're in a golden age of quality audio description certainly netflix hold on and let me rephrase yeah we are in the golden age of audio description only in the United States because it is not being, I will agree with that, several other countries are not getting the audio described tracks passed through that we are getting spoiled with yeah. in this country, which is despicable. So let me, yeah, I need to yeah. know. Oh, we have the, do, we have the same issue here, though. Yeah, I mean, you guys have Outlander there, and I, I think your wife's a big fan, I think, Stephen. You was. Heard you say. Yeah, was a big she, fan. She can't, can't watch it. Yeah, we have we don't we don't get audio description here with it at all. <laughs> no, well we we got it, but so this is the ridiculous scenario that Outlander it really you highlighted. Have to watch it live, right? <laughs> well, so so here was the thing: I was invited along to a conference years ago, um, probably just before the pandemic, actually, and uh, I remember going along and I was asked to tell a story about my experience with audio description, and at the at the table, if you like, where all of the UK broadcasters and a number of international broadcasters as well. So Netflix have represented um, and a number of others, Amazon Prime and all the rest. And um, I told the story of Outlander, which was where my wife was wanting to watch this series. She got seats. She was able to get through series one and she gets to series two 
and there's no audio description. So for some reason, it's just not there on any of the ways that we can get it. And I, I'm going into stores. I'm asking, you know, on the DVD, is there audio description? No, there's nothing. Then eventually I learned that uh, one of the, the channels here in the UK, Channel 4, is broadcasting Outlander with audio description. So I'm like, brilliant, where are we? So I find out, I, I go on and I find it's not the actual channel, it's some other channel, you know, some, they have all these different channels now. And um, I find this channel, I, I, I notice the season, it says season two, is now running episode four. So the next one up is episode four, and it has to be broadcast live um, to catch the audio description because there's no way to get the audio description on demand. So I'm now at episode three, or yeah, episode four, I think at this point. And I'm calling up the channel and I've got contacts in this world. So I'm calling my friends I know in, in this particular channel. I'm saying, look, how can I get access to the audio described files? Even just the audio files of this episode. Can you do something? I will pay you money to give me the first three episodes of this show. What, what does it take? And nobody could help me out. Nobody could understand what I was trying to do. They, could, they, they did their best to try and figure it out, but they couldn't get it in their heads as to what the problem was. And I'm like, I just want to watch the show. And they're like, yeah, but it's on demand. You can go back and watch it. And I'm like, yeah, but not with audio description. That's the point. And so now we're in a situation where we're years on, she can't watch the show. And that's the case in the UK for a lot of other shows as well. It's, it's getting better, but it's nowhere near good enough. And, you know, the issue around US tracks not being brought over to the UK, believe it or not, the local, the, the, the national charity for the UK uh, blind people, RNIB, the one I used to work for, actually stands up and says, well, we don't want to have US tracks. We want UK voices mm. doing the description. So what does that mean? We don't get the US tracks. Do you know what, guys? I just want audio description. I don't you care if want, it's in yep, Chinese. Yep. I just want it. I just started watching SEAL Team. I, I went back and the only thing I could get was season one and season two because they didn't start until season three in the United States with audio description because they're idiots back then. Uh, Neville Chamberlain is doing, I got listening to him doing the audio description. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Just give me it. I don't care if it's TTS. I know there's people, oh, I don't want, I just want audio description on everything. So I don't care if it's TTS or a British voice or, or what the voice is, as long as I can understand it, follow the show and everything. One of the other shows that I've, I, Yellowstone, just loved the first three seasons. The fifth season is airing in November. I looked for the fourth season. It's airing on Peacock. We won't go into how terrible that app is. It's only owned by NBC. Okay. No audio description there for season, any of the seasons. And then I just looked on Amazon Prime where you could buy it and no audio description. So I have no idea where the audio description came from for the first three seasons, but I can't find season four anywhere with the audio description. So we're coming to the end of our time here, right? And I just want to say at this point that all, every conversation we've had seems to do the same thing. Already it's with two particular topics, with computers, with Macs in particular, and with audio description. With these two examples we seem to be hitting the same brick wall, which is we get so close. We get so close. So you, you get accessibility. You get you know good accessibility. It's really good. And then something breaks and it fails and you can't use it. Or it's not as good as it was. Or it's not doing the, the, the job it's supposed to. With audio description, great. There's more of it than ever. But then it's not available on this platform. Or they forget to add it to an episode. It's like we just seem to get so close with it. What, what's the solution to this? Open communication channels, which I don't know if the companies will ever do, to have a phone number or email and to be responsive, because that's the problem. That's why I've given up. The lack of responsiveness from the companies is what angers me. We're getting the same old, yes, like you, Stephen, I've got my higher contacts I could get to, but you get tired of constantly browbeating them and just, you know, blasting that doesn't companies work, on Twitter. Even 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 Not your tw your tw Twitter tirades don't always get a response anymore. <laughs> no, people have heard enough of them. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's it. It's not it? accessibility. It's the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, well, I've noticed you. You've been seeing plenty about that. I have no. I am not going to wade into that one at all. Um, but Ed, you know, it, it's true, isn't it? We get so close with with all of this, with accessibility in whatever form it it comes in, 
uh, we get it's, it's like we get close and then something falls away and it's just i, I don't know what the, the solution is i mean that that is a good point brian makes about open communication that would be a good start for all companies to consider is it, is it just also that perhaps we're still in some ways dare i say it still second class citizens uh unfortunately i think that's that's probably that's probably it i mean uh you know we get the attention sometimes but when we push too hard we we want things to really level out. We just can't get it done. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say or what to do other than, you know, we have to teach this younger generation to really, really advocate and get louder. Yeah. Yeah. Keep that Part of the problem too, is you do have a large percentage of our community that still has the mindset of, Oh, we need to just be thankful for the audio description we're receiving. No, 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 no. We're paying customers just like everybody else and shout it and shout it loud, I guess, is the message and everything. Don't be afraid to call these companies out. Now, as Eric Wickstrom from IDC said on our show, also, when you hear a, a phenomenal uh, AD track, give credit to that company that did it. Or if a company is doing something positive with accessibility, give them a positive mention. You can't be all negative all the time about everything. You got to give credit where credit is due and that's something that i agree have to more of i could right. not agree more honestly you're, you're so right on that because we're very quick to criticize we all do it i've done it plenty you know but it's interesting depending on who you talk to i'll either be an apple hater or an apple fanboy uh, depending on which tweet that person's read that day um and you know the thing i believe in is that two thoughts can be true at the same time and can be held in my brain at the same time not necessarily right. functionally like but yeah <laughs> but i can at least have them but the other thing you have too is there are there are a lot of like podcasts out there that will not say anything bad about any company, and that's not right either. No, you know, if, if, they're, not, if they're not doing it right, call it out. <laughs> you don't well, have you to guys be super negative about it. You guys aren't known out. for that, that's for sure. So, uh, tell people yeah. how to find your yeah. podcast, uh, Brian Ed. Tell us where, where to get it. Yeah, sure, and uh, you know, first we'll just say, you know, is Allison Malloy real or not? Let us know. You hashtag know, like yes. Hashtag so. no. <laughs> Does she really exist? Exactly. <laughs> uh, you can download us, you know, just go to our website, our new website. You'll read some phenomenal quotes there, by the way. Oh, yes. Blindtechshow.com. Yes. <laughs> Which I get out. Brilliant. Is, is where you can go and find all of our episodes. Just write in that real blind tech show into any podcast player. You can also find us that way as well. Very simple and everything. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, do please continue what you're doing, but don't do it too well because then you'll take over us and then I'll be out of a job and you'll be known for making the number of uh, disabled people out of work even higher and you'll have to live with that. <laughs> that's, that's a I don't think that will happen, Stephen. <laughs> uh, guys, thanks We're so much. We're big for... fans of your show too. Oh, yeah, thanks. Keep up Absolutely. the good work. Thanks yes. so much for coming on, guys. Really appreciate it. That's it for today. Uh, keep your feedback coming if you want to comment on what you've heard here. As always, keep in touch. Feedback at ami.ca. Call us on one 803 4567 and we'll be back tomorrow. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit ami.ca. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.